Okay, we are in the middle of a series of messages this morning about what it means to be a real woman and a real man. Now, the last time I was there, I was preaching to guys. And uh, I tend to get a little intense and passionate about this issue, these issues of, of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to have family and, and have strong marriages and relationships. Um, I was in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago and the pastor asked me, he says, well, how would you describe your ministry? I said, you know, I, I kind of describe my ministry as a John the Baptist kind of ministry. You know what John the Baptist did? He just went around yelling at people. <laughs> he did. He wasn't real warm and fuzzy. He did, and it got him in all kinds of trouble. Got his head cut off at some point. I hope that doesn't happen to me. But, uh, um, you know, he just, he wasn't warm. He just, stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Repent! 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 That was his whole message. And it finally got to the, through, through to the people. And then they started changing. And the Bible says the reason God sent him to do that was to get rid of the obvious garbage in people's lives so that Jesus could come. He was to prepare the way of the Lord to make his path straight. And if there's anything I feel today is that we need to make the path straight so God can move in the church today. I was speaking to a group uh, yesterday in Vancouver, Washington. Some 30 churches in the area got together to uh, do an event on marriage and family. I said, you know, we often pray that God will send spiritual renewal to America. You know how we all pray God sent a revival. But I challenged them. I said, how's he going to send a revival? Send a revival to what? What have we got today? We have a congregation, congregations full of men and women who can't keep their promises to each other. It has a divorce rate, one of the highest divorce rates in America. We have a divorce rate among Christians that exceeds that among professing atheists. Send a revival to what? We have churches full of women who treat their cats and dogs with more respect than their husbands. Send a revival to what? We have a church full of men who look at porn and gratify themselves with lust. Send a revival to what? We have got to stop it. It is time for us to get our acts together and start living life in a right way. And if the church will start living their lives in a right way, God can then begin to move through us and affect our lives and hopefully eventually the nation in which we live. The problem is instead of creating a culture whereby we are affecting the way the world around us thinks, we think, act, and behave like the secular sin culture that we live in. And it is time for us to stop. And I preach against things that, you know, sometimes are very painful for people. You know, you preach against divorce. And of course, there's lots of people here who've been divorced. And you don't do it to make them feel bad. A lot of times, you know, we get in a catch-22 in the church. We get to the point where you don't want to talk about stuff because you don't want to hurt people's feelings. But we can't stay there. We've got, no one's trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm certainly not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. But we got to stop it. And we got to quit thinking with what I call stinking thinking. And start behaving more like men and women of God and less like the heathen whom we live amongst. Now I'm doing a message this morning. I'm kind of taking a little break between the real woman, real man thing, but I'm going to come back to it. But I'm going to do a little message to start one this morning uh, because it's February and it's Marriage and Family Month. We just did, you know, Valentine's Day, the 
obligatory day of romance each year. And doing a message entitled, Love, Marriage, and Stinking Thinking. Now when I was speaking about guys last time I spoke to you, I was talking against men who are irresponsible and just slobs, and and I specifically referred to men who, some women in this church have been telling me, who have been dating the girls in this church, and then trying to get into their pants. And I told these guys, they need to knock it off. They need to treat the women here with respect. If they don't quit, I'm going to stick their faces up on the jumbotron so everybody can see who the slime bags are. And I said, if you, you don't come to this church and treat these women disrespectfully. So if you want to go find loose women, go to a bar. Well, then I got some emails from people. <laughs> that said, so what you're saying is, it's okay to go to bars and pick up women. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) New doctrine in the church. We talk about baptism, communion, and picking up loose women in bars. Come on, people. Do I really need to address this? If you cannot comprehend and interpret sarcasm, you're going to hate coming to this church. I'm going to dance around issues and I'm going to talk real to you. And if you can't quite get it, you're going to get all confused. So we're supposed to go to bars. Anyway, I don't know who sent the email. I didn't look. As soon as I see emails that tick me off, I don't look at the name. Because I want to be able to preach about them. (laughs) I do. (laughs) For all I know, Lathan sent it. I don't know, but I don't... I don't want to know. So whoever you were, don't have your feelings hurt. I don't know who you were. But stop thinking, silly. All right. Great day in the morning. Looking at Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He says, this is your spiritual act of worship, offering yourself. And he says this, do not conform any longer. In other words, stop it! Quit doing this! Don't conform anymore to the pattern of this world. Quit thinking like the heathens that you live amongst. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. Stop stinking thinking! Then you'll be able to... Uh, be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Now in no other area of life does the church involve itself in more stinking thinking than when it comes to this whole idea of romance and marriage. We live in a culture that's completely clueless and believes, believes in all kinds of nonsense. You need to know something. The key to a successful marriage is not finding the right person. It's doing the right thing. If you will do the right thing, you will succeed. If you don't, you will fail. It's just that simple. But we're Christians. We don't want to do the right thing. We want to pray about it. Come on. Now, you single people, try and find the best one you can, for crying out loud. 
get a clue. You want some advice? You know how you can really avoid making a really stupid mistake? Listen to people you trust. Listen to your parents. And if they're completely dysfunctional wackos, listen to people you can trust. <laughs> and it's sad I got to say that because a lot of us have parents that are just, you know, don't want to listen to them. But there's safety in listening to others. You know what our secular culture says? Listen to your heart. I have to listen to my heart. Listen to your heart. <laughs> listen to your heart, you're an idiot. You need to listen to somebody who doesn't have their heart all wrapped up into some confusing relationship. It used to be for thousands of years, marriages were created by parents who arranged the marriages. Divorce was extremely rare. Even to this day, in the world, where huge amounts of marriages are still arranged to this day. Among those cultures, they have a divorce rate of like 5% or less. Now, I'll say that once in a while and some guys say, well, yeah, but those are countries where women don't have rights. No, no, even in countries where they do, even in a country like India, where they still by and large have arranged marriages and they can have all, they have all their rights and they can divorce, they have a divorce rate of 5%. And these are, this is not a Christian country. Why can they succeed? Because they're being as smart as they can from the get-go. Up till about the 1700s, 1800s, then it switched. Then kids started uh, making the choice. But see now, here's how it worked. When, when, when people could arrange, when parents could arrange marriages, the kids always had veto power. Even in the Old Testament, all the way back to Abraham. When the parents tried to put it together, the kids still had the final say. Well then, about the 1700s, 1800s, then it turned around, our romantic period set in, and then the children started making the choices. But then the parents had veto power. That's why we still have the tradition today, though it doesn't mean anything. The tradition of going to the father and asking for his permission to marry the daughter. That came from this period of when, if you went to the father and he said no, it was over, Jack. <laughs> End of story. In fact, they would go and ask if they could even date them in the first place, so they'd rather get shot down early if there was no chance. <laughs> but now we have a culture where nobody has veto power over anybody. We're all listening to our hearts. You listen to your heart, you're going to be getting in all kinds of goofy situations. Be smart. Listen to your parents. If you can't listen to them, listen to some people you trust and let them have input. Get, give somebody veto power. You single people, you've got to give somebody else veto power over your relationships or you'll get into situations that will turn out a mess. Which is what we have in America today and sadly in the church today because we act just like the heathens with whom we live. Now our secular culture teaches us that there's a soulmate. It's all about finding your soulmate. Of course this all came from Greek mythology. The Greeks believed at one time men had four arms, four legs. And then there's some debate as to whether or not we had two heads or one head with two faces. But you get the basic idea. We looked like cockroaches. <laughs> and at some point we made some god angry and he split us in half. And part of our punishment now is we have to seek the world trying to find our other half. So that we can be complete. You complete me. Which by the way. If you're a hollow empty soul. Looking for another hollow empty soul to complete you. Do us all a favor. Stay single. <laughs> a successful marriage is not two hollow souls finding each other to complete each other. A successful marriage is built around two whole and complete human beings. Who decide to build a life together. That makes Amen. for a good marriage. 
But now instead of teaching biblical thought, the church gets into stinking thinking. We take these stupid ideas in the culture we live and we spiritualize it. Instead of, we, what we do is we take this idea of soulmate and we say, well, God has one special person just for you. Make sure you find that one special person God has. God made someone just for you. I know Christians, you hear it on Christian radio, there are songs about it. of People who, you know, when their kids are little, right away, they start praying for that spouse of that child. That one special one God has just for you. Let me see if I get this straight. God Almighty created another human being just to make you happy. Does anybody see any fault in this thinking? If this is not the epitome of self-centered narcissistic thinking, I do not know what is. God did not make another human being just to put a smile on your face. And here's another shocker to you. When you drive at night, the moon isn't really following you. Like a couple of nitwits were talking the other day. One said, hey, which is closer? Seattle or the moon? The other nitwit said, hello, can you see Seattle? God did not create another human being just for you. The Bible never talks about marriage in that way. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that you just need to find someone who believes in the principles of faith. Do you know why? Because the Bible knows that the the principles in the Bible, the principles of love, patience, kindness, forgiveness, long-suffering. You know what long-suffering means? It means suffering for a long time. That these principles are so powerful. They are so effective. Listen to me because I know I'm frying your gourds right now. These principles are so effective and powerful. They will work with virtually any two people in the world. That is the power of the spiritual principles by which we live. That's how strong and effective they are. Well, what do you say? I can, I can succeed with anybody? Just about, yes. You know, we'll take axe murderers out of there or something. That's why the Bible, the only thing it says is make sure if you're going to do this, you marry someone who believes in these principles, who lives by these principles, that you marry another believer. That's what it's about. But no, we don't do that. We're looking for this imaginary soulmate. And then when things get hard, instead of living by the principles, we go, oh, I made a mistake. I I shouldn't have married this idiot. I should have married that other idiot. I made a mistake. No, you're making a mistake by thinking that way. The reason you're struggling isn't because you married the wrong person. The reason you're struggling is you are doing the wrong things. And it is time to start doing the right things by living these principles. I'm telling you what, the Bible says love never fails. It never fails. You follow these principles, they never fail. Well, I fail for me. Well, I don't know. Let's see if I'm going to believe you or the Bible. Let me think. I don't believe you. It never fails. The problem is people aren't living by these principles. Now I was speaking to a bunch of Christian uh, college kids. And of course they're just as idealistic as they can in college, you know. And I was talking about this and this one guy just had a cow. How can you say that? How How can you say that? What about in the Bible? Where, where, where uh, Isaac 
prayed that uh, the, the right woman would come to the well and that, that God would send the one. Well, first of all, Isaac never prayed that prayer. Abraham's servant prayed that prayer. Abraham sent his servant to go find a relative for Isaac to marry. The servant was freaking out. Read the stories like the 24th chapter of Genesis. He's just freaking out going, I don't know, I don't want to go. And Abraham had to calm him down. The servant gets there and he's freaking out. He's surprised. Oh God, please. You know, let, let one of the, the next, girl, next girl that comes to the well, then she'll be with the one. What he was looking for was not some soulmate. He was looking for a relative of Abraham. And the Bible says that she came and, and, and did exactly what he prayed, but he didn't react to that right away. Then he stepped up and said, who's family do you belong to and then when she said well I belong to so and so's family she's part of Abraham's family that's when he started praising God thank you God for answering my prayer that's what he was looking for and by the way then the parents said you know do you want to go do this and she had veto power she did and she went and married Isaac now if you're good with one of your dad's employees finding one of your cousins to marry then you can pray that prayer Otherwise, stop it. The Bible never talks about anywhere where God told people who to marry. But yeah, we talk about that. Who you? I'm just waiting for God to tell me who to marry. We make up stuff today. We just make stuff up. We pull it out of the air because of this romantic, over romanticized, over spiritualized nonsense that we preach and teach in churches today about relationships. But the closest you can get in the Bible of God telling anybody to marry anybody is when God spoke to Joseph in a dream to marry Mary. Who was pregnant. He was freaking out. But even then. He had already picked her. The next closest you can get. Is when God spoke to the prophet Hosea. To go marry a prostitute. And if you're considering marrying a prostitute. I suggest you hear from God first. (laughs) But even in that situation. He didn't tell him which prostitute to marry. He just said hey go pick one. You like that, huh? (laughs) Stinking thinking. And we have the mess we have in churches today. A divorce rate in excess of people who claim to be atheists. But we claim to love Jesus. And we claim to be men and women of our word. We stand before Almighty God and we swear to God we'll stay with this person the rest of their lives. Till we realize, oh, I made a mistake. We tear up our vows like they're dirty toilet paper and flush them away. Like they mean nothing. And we wonder why God doesn't move in greater ways in our country. We wonder why God doesn't send a revival to America. A spiritual renewal. Send it to what? To a bunch of people who can't even just keep their word to each other? Their most basic fundamental commitments to each other? It's more about them than what God wants. Another area of stinking thinking that we have today in America concerning love and marriage is this idea of delayed marriage. Don't get married too young. Don't get married too young. Wait, wait, wait. You're only 38. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Talk about inconsistent messages to church. The church thinking like our stupid culture that we live in. I know Christians who threaten their kids. If you get married too young, I'm not going to pay for your college. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. I won't even go to the wedding. Thinking like a bunch of heathens. Based on what? I 
met a girl in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, 23 years of age, she got married and her father and her parents cut her off. Have nothing to do with her now. And they still go to the same church. They're born again Christians. Just because, wow, well, we got married too young and they, they won't have anything. They cut us all off financially. They had nothing to do with us. We had to leave college. Based on what? Talk about inconsistent messages we send to our young people. We tell them, wait till you're 28, 29 to get married, but of course don't have sex. Yeah, there's a winning combination right there. (laughs) I promise you, there are millions of Christians. Christians, listen to me right now around the country as this broadcast goes out. Millions of Christians. People right here in this church wouldn't surprise me at all. You would much rather have your kids have sex than get married too young. We wonder why God doesn't send a revival. Why God doesn't move in our churches. Our system's all messed up. Better your kids do it right and do it whole in the first place instead of picking up all this garbage that guys like me got to unscramble later on. They did, I just read a very interesting study just the other day. They've interviewed women 30 years and older Of those women who had only had one sexual partner, they had a 20% divorce rate. If they just added one more, any of these women in the survey, if they had just one more partner, and we're not talking live in love, I'm talking just one other guy, it jumped to almost 50% divorce rates. A third one, it even got worse. We're not animals. We're not cats and dogs. We're not deciding to run, run around hopping from one bed to another. But I know Christians who'd rather their kids go ahead and just have sex. Just don't get married too young. Thinking like they're crazy. Because that's the way our culture thinks. Because statistically speaking, people who marry older have a little less rate of divorce. And it's just a little less. But they're sampling a busted model. This is sampling from people who have no faith, who don't know God, who just live for themselves. They're not part of the church. You got to understand, we're not like them. We're not supposed to think like them. We're supposed to think like men and women of faith, men and women of God. That's the way we're supposed to think. But instead, we think like them. My wife and I are getting ready to celebrate our 34th wedding anniversary. We're, I was 18 years old when I got married to that redhead. You know, a lot of people don't know who you are. Stand up. There she is. Wave at Isn't that weird? <laughs> your wife anyway <laughs> that's her so why did you get married when you're 18 because it was against the law at 17 <laughs> we got married young stupid broke man we had to look up to see poor <laughs> we're divorcing each other divorce only happens for one reason Somebody or both of them get selfish. That's the only reason for a divorce. All this other, well, too young or not enough money. What a bunch of nonsense. Not enough money. Who has enough money? <laughs> Have you ever gotten a paycheck and went, honestly, I got enough. <laughs> it's all stupid. It's just stupid. 
If you're 30 and single, that's fine. If you want to wait till you're 90 to get married, I don't care. Personal choice is fine. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. What I'm preaching against is a culture that threatens and pushes and demands that our kids wait. And what we've created is an artificial adolescence. Used to be you were a teenager from like 12 to 18. Now you're a teenager till you're almost 30. Got young boys walking around, supposed to be men. They're not men. They're still playing video games and living in fantasy land. 30 years of age, still living with mom. I'm 52 years of age. I've got two glorious grandchildren. One on the way, praise God. One in the oven. How many of you got grandchildren? I'll tell you, it is one of the most gloriously wonderful experiences of life. It is God's reward for not killing your children. For millennia, for millennia, thousands of years of human history, men and women became grandparents in their late 40s and in their 50s. Now, kids are waiting until they're 30 to get married, 35 to have children. If their kids do the same, they're going to be 70 years of age. Do the math, people. Speaking of the math, as I travel the country, consistently, without question, the people who are the most deliriously happy, who've been married 20, 30, 40 years, are the ones who got married when they're 18, 19, 20, 21 years of age. Do the math, people. You can't get to a 75-year wedding anniversary if you got married when you're 35. You're dead. (laughs) But who cares if you don't get that experience as a grandparent? What do you do? You rob yourself, what? So you can party more? So you can play more video games? So you can just hang with your buddies? That you're trading off this incredible experience? For what? What we call youth and we praise as youth is nothing but a hollow experience. What the heck is that? But if you want to trade off on that, knock yourself out. I don't care. But you know who I'm feeling bad for? It's those children who won't have grandparents. You know what the one thing that has held this country together over this last 30 years of divorce culture in America? It has been the presence of grandparents. Grandparents have helped keep these families and held our culture together. The the state know this. Brown County pays grandparents to help raise their grandchildren. Did you know that? They don't give them much, but they know that without the presence of grandparents, this would be a mess. Without grandparents, it wouldn't work. Well, if you're the devil and you want to destroy families, and I promise you he does, and those stupid grandparents keep getting in the way, what do you do? You get rid of the grandparents. You know how you do that? Wait. Wait. You're only 38. Wait. Don't have, don't get married too young. And if you did, oh, okay, now they get married at 30. Wait another three, four, five, six, seven, eight years before you have children. Wait, wait, wait. Do the math. You'll be 70 years of age by the time those children will show up. And by the time their family starts going through any kind of crisis and stuff, you'll be 75, 76, 78 years of age. You will no longer have the physical, financial, emotional strength and energy to make a difference in the lives of those children. I'm telling you people, there is going to be hell to pay in this country when this hits the fan. All for what? Because some nitwit somewhere told us, well, you really should wait. 
Now what the heathens do, I honestly don't care. What fries my Puerto Rican pancakes is the church thinks this way. I don't know what that means, but... We're in a mess. We're in a mess and, and there's... We're going to pay a heavy price. You know, nobody thinks about sowing and reaping anymore. You reap what you sow. What you do in your life has consequences, people. What we do in our lives has consequences. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back out. And our ushers to get ready to serve communion. We need healthy families. You know what we need? We need people. We need to start getting this right. Our kids need to start getting this right. And then their kids need to start getting it right. And their kids need to start getting it right. And if the Lord tarries, man, we need to raise up a new generation of people who don't have their heads stuffed in the clouds. Who aren't thinking in this broken, self-centered culture's thinking of ours. Rather than looking for statistical probabilities where self-centered narcissistic children can succeed, how about we stop raising self-centered narcissistic children? How about we start raising children who have a clue? Children who become young adults and they're now seriously considering life because they're viewing life differently than the culture in which we live. And I'm not telling you you got to go out and force your teenager to get married. I'm talking about I'm talking about a culture that is just it's upside down. At a minimum, your teenagers at 18, 19, they ought to start really start seriously thinking about their lives. What are you gonna do with your life? You're gonna get married pretty soon. What are you even me saying that today is like I'm speaking Swahili to people. What what? 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 Some of your teenagers go, Oh, I never thought of that. I was gonna I was gonna play video games and party for the next eight years in college. For what? You're doing that for what? How about grow up, boys and girls? How about get a life? How about we start training our children to become responsible human beings? This whole idea, and again, you don't have to do this. I'm just talking about this culture. In our family, man, all of our kids, cousins, everybody, all get married. Man, if you're 21 and a gunger and haven't gotten married, there's something wrong with you. And you know what? Of all those who do that, divorce is virtually unheard of in our family. They don't get divorced, man. They're married for life. Nothing to do with it. But we raise our children up with a sense of responsibility, a sense of commitment. When you do this, you do this for life. This is serious. Grow up, mature, become responsible. Let's start building healthy families. Let's start thinking correctly. I'm just partway through this, so I'm going to pick this up again next Sunday and continue this message of life, marriage, love, marriage, and stinking thinking. Let's all bow our heads in a word of prayer. Lord, help us to repent of our sins. Help us to turn from bad thinking. Help us to start thinking biblically. God, help us to take our faith more seriously. God, we spend a few minutes on Sunday morning thinking about faith, but then we'll spend three hours a day listening to the Today Show and then an hour to The View and an hour to Oprah. And it's no wonder we think poorly. God, help us to think spiritual thinking, godly thinking, 
biblical thinking more seriously in our lives. Help us to build strong, healthy families, God, who give birth to strong, healthy children, who will raise up strong, healthy grandchildren. Help us to be able to build a legacy of faith where our children have greater faith than us and our children's children have greater faith than them so that God you can move in our land you can send a spiritual renewal send an outpouring of your Holy Spirit to transform lives to do miracles in the church like you so desperately want to do but God we're a mess help us oh God as every head's bowed and every eye's closed nobody's looking around if you're here this morning, maybe your first time guest or visitor, and you're thinking, man, I've, I've, I hear what you're saying, but I've, I've never even, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been coming for a while, you've never really surrendered your heart to Christ. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with us. If you'll mean this prayer and surrender your heart to Jesus, you can begin this wonderful, wonderful journey of faith. You have to understand something. When God tells us not to think like the world and to think biblically, He does it because He loves you. He's doing this for you. Jesus came. He offered up His body to be crucified on a cross. Not for Himself. He did it for you. He loves you. We're going to have communion here where His body, we're going to focus. His body was broken so you could be whole. His blood was shed so you could have forgiveness of sins. God's way of doing things brings life, health, wholeness, strength. Become part of the family of faith. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And I put my trust in you this morning. I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for loving me. Amen. I'm going to ask our ushers to go ahead and